We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And good afternoon to everyone out there in Irish Breakdown land. I am Vince D'Addario. That is Brian Driscoll, and we are back. It is a Tuesday. It is August 3rd, and we are right up against fall camp. And uh, I'm pretty excited about it. And so what we're going to do today, uh, we are going to jump right into uh, some some more game previews. We're going to talk about the Toledo Rockets, as well as the uh, Purdue Boilermakers. Uh, we're going to jump into those two. And yes, every time we have planned this, some sort of breaking news has happened. And guess what? There was a little bit, an incy-weensy bit of breaking news last night, Brian, that there is going to be a commitment announcement Wednesday. So it's kind of breaking news, but not one that we needed to change everything up, right? Sure. Yeah, Tobias Merriweather, who is the number one receiver on the board for Notre Dame, has been for a long time. Everybody knows how I feel about Tobias Merriweather. He is going to make his commitment known wherever it's going to be tomorrow at 5 o'clock. So we will have our normal 1 o'clock show tomorrow. Or Yes, 1 o'clock show tomorrow. And then at 5 o'clock, we'll go live again and we'll carry his his uh, commitment announcement. He has said he's going to uh, – it's going to be on CBS Sports, but it's also going to be on his Instagram feed. So we will carry that live. He's going to make whatever decision he's going to make, and we're going to break it down. And look, uh, everybody knows my stance on on giving things away and all that other kind of stuff, but here, what I've said all summer, I mean, we've said this for months, is if Tobias Merriweather carries his recruitment out into the to the winter like he has said he was going to do, I was nervous about it. If he made a decision this summer, I felt really good about it for Notre Dame. So the fact that he's now announcing his decision tomorrow – Certainly a good sign for Notre Dame. Now it's just about we got to find out if they were able to close or not. And so we'll talk about him. We'll talk about his recruitment. We'll talk about all that kind of stuff. So uh, be ready to be with us for a second show tomorrow at, at 5 o'clock. So it's certainly certainly big news. Yeah, big news. And so uh, obviously we're going to have a, a second commitment show as well uh, later on this week. Sure. And we're going to have well, a post-practice show. Decision show. I mean, just, well, yeah, I, he, right. I shouldn't, right. he's going to make a commitment. I didn't say who it was going to be towards. Right. You know, he's going to make a commitment. Um, and so, yeah, so we're, we're, we're lots of shows, uh, this week is the bottom line. So, uh, be, be prepared for that because we're going to be, uh, up in your living room an awful lot this week. So hopefully that's a good thing. 
But uh, today we are going to talk Toledo and Purdue. So let's kick it off, Brian. Um, Toledo is Notre Dame's second opponent of the season. They are the first home game opponent. And uh, this is a very interesting MAC team. This this isn't your normal, uh, you know, your ball state, uh, which gave obviously Notre Dame a scare a couple of years ago. But this team uh, has a, a pretty potent offense, frankly. And and the defense is going in the right direction if you're a Toledo fan. Lots of positive uh, predictions about this team going into 2021, as well as, look, for, for a MAC team, what was great about a MAC team is, you know, not a lot of guys from MAC necessarily go to the next level, right? So when you give them the option of a COVID year, a lot of those guys took advantage of it. And that is the best part about this Toledo team right now, in my estimation, is that they are loaded with veterans. They have they 20 have, starters coming back. Right. That's exactly right. right. And they've I mean, got 60 lettermen on their roster. It's, like, that's it's nuts. That is insane yeah. to me. But it makes perfect sense. Like, if I if I was playing in the MAC and you gave me an extra year to play some college football, heck yeah. Play ball, baby. Like, in a that, year where there's yeah. no scholarship limitations. Yeah, a good so, point. Yeah, they can exactly. have 90, 100 guys on scholarship, so they don't have to turn anybody down. So just a reminder of the rule, not only do players get a, a an extra year, so everybody's granted year of eligibility. So even if you were a fifth-year senior last year, you can come back this year. So anyone can come back that the staff wants back. But they also remove the 85 scholarship limit. So you don't have to say, hey, sorry, we can't bring you back because we had – some recruits taking your spot. It's we can bring you all back, and we can bring those recruits in. So crazy, uh, crazy. Having over sixty Letterman is is an, is a really impressive thing. Having over you know having twenty of twenty two starters coming back, including all eleven on defense. Yeah, exactly. Which we'll get right. into here in a little bit is certainly um, certainly a, uh, a a benefit for Toledo. And uh, before we dive too much in Toledo. I did want to thank Patrick very much for uh, kicking things off with that super chat. Um, Patrick said he's finally off the road and able to join. Welcome back. We have not seen you, actually. We yeah, noticed no you haven't asked any awesome. questions. Um, missed you guys. We missed you, too, but I did watch all the shows. I missed live, so I am pumped. I am up to date on Notre Dame football. Nice. And you know what? Nice. That is our goal. That is what we are here to do. You know, but Vince, this is an interesting Toledo team because you mentioned the experience and all those type of things. And and this is a big year for Toledo because, you know, their head coach is Jason Candle. He took over in 2016. Well, he actually took over for the bowl game in 2015, um, became the head coach the first year that went nine and four, which was solid. You had a tough schedule, lost to Miami, you know, Miami, uh, Florida that year, came out the next year, went 11 and three. And it looked like they were just going to keep doing what they'd been doing, you know, since, you know, Matt Campbell was there and then before him, Tim Beckman. And then, uh, you know, so so they had been really a, a really good top two to three Mac team for a long time. And the last couple of years before 2020, they took a step back. They went seven and six and six and six. And that's not normal for Toledo. Last year was was important for them because it was a shortened year and it kind of stunted how much they'd improved. They went four and two last year, but their two losses were combined six points. They lost right. by three points to Western right. Michigan and three points to Ball State, who Ball State was the best team in the league last year. So, and then of course you mentioned they got a lot of guys coming back from that team. You look at their schedule and you know they get a chance to play Norfolk State at home before they play Notre Dame. This is going to be a rocking environment, and it's what's funny is you just don't expect that from a MAC team. You, you know, normally the environments on a game, you know, Bowling Green, Ball State, it's kind of a dull day. 
But because this is the first game fans have been able to be at in a yeah, long time, it's right. going to be a pretty hopping place, which is going to make it a little bit exciting. Go ahead, Vince. Yeah, and I was going to say, I think that, that that's a point that I don't think a lot of people are looking at. That you know, when I've seen some previews and some and listened to some people, and they're they're not taking into account the fact that this is the first home game for Notre Dame where sure. fans can be there, like it, where where you can tailgate and you can right. have a full stadium and you can do all. I think people are taking that for granted yeah. because. Look, I'm I'm sorry, but there is no chance in my mind that Notre Dame comes out flat in this game. No, because no, of that, you know, it's not no. going to be Ball State of a few years ago. No, it's just not. I'm that doesn't sorry. mean Toledo can't hang with Notre Dame for a little bit for right. the reasons that you you and mentioned. Right. But yeah, this is not a game. Somebody told me, and I never heard it. I don't listen to Colin Cowherd. It's not that I dislike Colin Cowherd. I just don't listen to him. Uh, somebody told me he predicted that Notre Dame was going to lose to Toledo. I don't know if that's true or not, but bait, man. they're not going to lose to Toledo. I'm but sorry. this is still a quality football sure. team. That that, and the reason we're emphasizing this is we're not doing the whole Lou Holtz, you know, play up the bad teams. It's more of a this team is going to give us a good test of where Notre Dame is early in the season, as will Purdue. They're both teams Notre Dame should beat. They're both teams Notre Dame should beat somewhat convincingly, but they're not bad teams which is good for Notre Dame because it's going to allow you to give yourself a test and so when you look at Toledo that four and two last year was important and and, and coach Candle's done some very interesting things so uh, kind of dear to my heart he's hired a bunch of division three coaches which is kind of interesting uh, he hired uh, Mike Hallett as one of his co-offensive coordinators uh, and the other co-offensive coordinator is um, a guy Robert Weiner who was a, a high school coach at Tampa plant for like 15 years and Mike Hallett was a was always known as a, a great offensive line coach. He was a head coach at Heidelberg for a long time, was a Thomas Moore for three years as well. But he was a guy that um, was always known as a really great offensive line coach at that level. He's now their co-offense coordinator and, and has helped them. That, Toledo was a team that even when they weren't good, they could score. Like when they went 7-6 and six in 2018, um, they still scored 40 points a game. Yeah, they, they and, put up and, numbers on right, offense, and in 2019 sure. they took a step yeah. back, and then now you know last year they they were much better, and then on defense they hired Vince Karras. If that name sounds familiar, he was the head coach at Mount Union for a while. His dad was Larry Karras, who's a Hall of Fame legendary great coach. Vince won several championships at Mount Union as well. Was known as a he was his dad's defensive coordinator for a number of years before his dad retired, and then Vince took over as the head coach. And Toledo's, whose defense was really bad for a couple of years, got a lot better. Toledo was at 26.2 points in 2017 when last time they were good. Then the next two years, they gave up 30.5 points and 32.2 points. And then last year with the first year under Coach Karras, they dropped all the way down to 24.3, Sure, which is pretty good yeah. when you consider they didn't have an offseason with him. Well, and, they, and that's and another it, thing. And it was all a conference schedule, too. Yeah. So you didn't have any uh, lower level, you know what I mean, teams to well, kind of add those stats. The, the bounder to that is you also didn't play a Power 5 team. Also true. Also true. But, but the thing is, no spring ball. For a while there, the MAC had canceled their season. Right. Yeah, it was because so it was very you, much in Big Ten country. So right. it's like they kind of right. follow what the Big Ten is doing, et cetera. Right. right. So you th- you didn't even get a chance to have the full Larry Vince Karras effect last year. So I think that's going to help as well. So you give him 11 starters back, a full offseason. You know, this is going to be a little bit of a salty defense in the MAC. And then we'll get into kind of how they match up with Notre Dame. So uh, it, it, it's a really inter- interesting situation. It's, uh, their D-line coach is, is, is Craig Kuligowski. Does that name ring a bell? He was the, the D-line coach at Miami for a long time that was just known as one of the best D-line coaches. He went to Alabama in 2018, and, you know, things kind of went – 
a little weird for him, and now he's at Toledo, but he was known as a great D-line coach. He's a kind of a co-defensive coordinator. They have three co-coordinators. Well, they have Vince Karras, who's the D-coordinator, and then they have two co-D coordinators, which is a little strange, but it worked for him last year. Hey, whatever works for you. So he's really put together a sleepy, good, underrated coaching staff with some guys that have some big names and reputations, some Division three coaches that were known as great teachers. And I think that's important for a place like Toledo. Plus, tapping into the Heidelberg, the Mount Union type of thing. Those guys, what you have to understand is to be a great Division three program, you have to know every single pro high school program in your state. And, and so these guys are going to have great relationships with high school coaches in Michigan and Ohio and in Indiana and in Pennsylvania. So it's certainly going to help with recruiting. And Mount Union went down to Florida a lot and recruited players a lot. Every time I'd send my coaches down to some high school in Florida or some, you know, some uh, recruiting fair in Florida, there'd be five Mount Union coaches down there, you know. So the, the point being, so there's some recruiting advantages to hiring some of these guys that, that are from the Division three level and and it's paid off for them. And so I really like where this Toledo team is at. They're predicted to finish first and lose to Buffalo by Athlon first in the West and then lose to, to Buffalo in the MAC title game. But that was before. So Athlon still has Lance Leopold as Buffalo's head coach. And obviously Lance Leopold has since left to take over Kansas when Les Miles was fired. That's right, yeah. So And then um, Lindy has them finishing second in the West. So I think this is a team that is definitely going to battle for the for the, win, the, the West crown. If, if I'm making predictions right now, I'd, I'd tap Toledo winning the West because, number one, they barely lost to Ball State last year, and they just have a lot more coming back. But you look at a lot of these MAC teams, Vince, and it's really interesting. A lot of these teams have a bunch of dudes coming back, like Wait, a bunch well, yeah. of dudes coming back. Well, for like the exact I said, that makes a lot of you sense. mentioned. Exactly. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense to me. Exactly. I, I would totally do that, especially. Oh yeah. Look, if I'm not going to the NFL, I'm I'm going to put off adulthood for another year. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, play some more football, some college football, I mean, man. We talk about twenty starters coming back for Toledo. Uh, Ball State has seventeen. Buffalo has. 12, which is one of the, the fewest. Then Miami of Ohio has 13. Central Michigan has 19. Western Michigan has 18. Yeah, yeah. Kent State I'm has 17. Yeah, I'm sensing I a mean, trend here. Yeah. Uh, Eastern Michigan has 16, but 10 of them are on offense. Northern Illinois has 13. I mean, these teams have a lot of starters coming back. So it's going to be a fun. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to matching this year. I really am. Again, Toledo should not compete with Notre Dame for four quarters. They just shouldn't. But we're just kind of giving an overview of who Toledo is right now. So that's why we're sounding, you know, praiseworthy because I I think they're going to be a really good, really good MAC team this year. Yeah, right. And I like what I like that Jason Campbell has made some moves and they're smart, savvy moves that allow them to really recruit to 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 be in this, um, you know, in, in this battle to get back to being the best team in the MAC, which. You see some really ascending Mac Ball States under Mike New has ascended the last couple of years. Uh, yeah, I love what Ball uh, Chuck State's Martin's doing. doing a really nice job yeah. at Miami of Ohio right now. Western He's got Michigan's that thing rolling. winning again. Yeah, uh, you know, so so you 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 see some of these programs. Uh, Chris Creighton's doing. A, I mean, Chris Creighton's getting Eastern Michigan back to where they're competing to get into a bowl games. Yep, absolutely. And that was a that was the arguably the worst program in college football for years. Uh, so. The Mac is really getting back to being what it was when I loved it back in the the, the late '90s and early 2000s, which is just a really fun, uh, well coached, 
quality league where they're going to put some guys in the NFL, but in you know occasionally they're going to beat a, a power five team, but just a fun league to watch. I'm going to be watching a lot more Mac games this year than I did last year, that's for sure. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, the best part about Matt games is they're on like Wednesday and Thursday. Tuesday, you know I mean? Wednesday. Thursday. It's those days where we're not usually watching football. And so, Which, hey, yeah. man. And, and we've talked in the past. I hate that idea. I hate that idea for like I Notre know. Dame. It's a brilliant idea for Matt for the Mac. I mean, because they have to do it. On them. Yeah, absolutely. They have to do it. There's no other way that they can they can get people to pay attention to them on a Saturday afternoon. No Just way. Not if not you're competing against the SEC and Notre Dame and the Big Ten. I mean, you name it, right? So, I mean, having those games during the week, it just makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. And obviously, they avoid Sunday because nobody's playing college football on Sundays. Right. But yeah, well, I mean, Notre Dame. Just, <laughs> good point. Before, <laughs> before, NFL starts, before the NFL starts, right? but yes, you, you made your point, and I appreciate yep. that. <laughs> um, but yeah, Maxion, man, you can't, you can't, uh, you can't beat it. Yeah, so it, it's it's going to be a fun year. So now we, we kind of look at Toledo and we look at them offensively. This is the area where Toledo had to get a lot better last year. But even then, it was a little interesting, Vince, because the two years prior, they had been really good at running the football, and but they didn't score real well in 2019, even though they ran for over 200 yards a game. Last year, their, their scoring average jumped, but their yard their their, their offense went down uh, quite a bit last season. So they were they were at 35 points per game, which was up from – 27.3 from the year before and down from obviously which was down from 40.4 the year before that they're rushing in the previous two years so in 2017 when they were over 200 yards 2018 they were 200 yards 2019 they were over 200 yards and then last year they dropped down to 168.2 and again i think a big part of that was just the lack of offseason the lack of being able to develop some cohesion uh, as a football team but when you look at toledo to me there's a couple things that, that stand out positively and negatively for the Rockets. Number one is you've got nine starters coming back, which is a positive. You have all five, I'm looking at here, four of your, all five of your starters along the offensive line are back, which is huge. And then you've obviously got Bryant Kobach coming back. Bryant Kobach is a running back that's already got over 2,600 career yards. Now, last year he was only at 500 because he only played six games. He was a 522. So that kind of, Tampered him down. He'd have been over. I mean, on that average, he'd have been over a thousand yards in, in the regular season. He was a five twenty-two in six games. So you extend that over the whole season, he's over a thousand yards. Was over a thousand yards the year before that, and then was uh, at a, over nine hundred yards as a true freshman. So uh, in, in two thousand eighteen, he rushed for nine hundred seventeen yards and fourteen touchdowns. 
five six point yard six six point zero yards per carry. 2019, he was at 1187 yards, uh, 6.1 yards per carry, and six to, uh, 12 touchdowns. And then last year, again in a stranger, he was down to 522 and 5.2 yards per carry. I expect Bryant Kobach to to his numbers to go back up over a thousand yards, back up to six yards a carry. Uh, good back. And when you look at what Brian Kobach is, he's, he's a product of a good system. Okay. They are a offensively, a traditional spread offense. So they're going to be three receivers, one tight a lot, a lot of 11 personnel. They'll mix it up, go some 12, you know, occasionally go 10, but I, I didn't see a ton of, a lot of 11 personnel is what I saw with some 12 personnel mixed in a lot of read zones, a lot of RPOs. Uh, and they're sort of like that not not quite to the degree that Wake Forest is, but they're a traditional spread offense, which means long reads, you know, really letting the defense commit, pulling and throwing a little hot pass behind it as part of the read, throwing a lot of bubble screens, taking some play action shots downfield. They'll move the pocket a lot if they don't feel they can protect the quarterback, which is called good coaching. Uh, but they're a team that's going to be built around the, the the run game in the read zone. So schematically, a lot of inside zone. Uh, a lot of outside zone, but as a as a spread team, they're also going to do a lot of the the spread run concepts, which aren't aren't traditional gap schemes that you see in a more traditional offense. It's a lot like what you see at like Oklahoma, uh, who's you know air raid, but similar concepts, which is those you know those quick wrap plays, uh, bringing a backside guard, just having him quickly kick out, uh, having him wrap around, you know, where you then base block the end, and he just wraps around and pulls, and you're just reading. So you're occupying the front side lineman and the front side linebacker with your puller. And then you're occupying the backside linebacker with your read. So if the backside linebacker d- flows over, you just pull and throw an RPO behind it or you pull it and run. So it, it's going to require you to be disciplined on defense. And you're going to have key, to make yeah. sound decisions. Yeah, exactly, Vince. And that's the key is if you're not, if you, if you, pl- if you're too aggressive, they're just going to pull it and throw it over your head. If you're too passive, then they'll just run it down your, you know, run it at you all day. So it, again, it's going to be a good test for Notre Dame. It, this is the thing. It's, it's th- this is a, a a line with good size for the Mac. They've got a, a running back with skill. He's a slasher. He's a one cut and go guy. Uh, can really get after it. Bryant Kobach, we're referring to. Yeah, he's uh, so, an all so Mac Run player, game wise, I mean, yeah, run yeah. game wise, they're gonna they're gonna it's gonna be a good test for Notre Dame because you have to be disciplined. You have to be assignment conscious. It'll be a test for how how well Notre Dame has. Um, picked up the, the the scheme for Marcus Freeman from an execution standpoint, right? So Notre Dame should win the individual matchups all day. But schematically, can you make can you be assignment sound? Can you be assignment correct and those type of things? That's going to be the question that that we're going to find out against Toledo. And Toledo puts you in those positions where you have to be assignment correct or they're going to rip off a couple big plays. And, and that's what good offenses do, right? I mean, and because and, and, they know going into this game that they can't match up man to man. I mean, it, it, from from a, I, what I mean, like position to position, not man to man as in coverage. I'm talking about, you know, their our end versus their, you know, tackle, et cetera, et cetera. So they have to scheme it and they do a good job of scheming it. Now, one way Notre Dame can kind of, disrupt that scheme in my opinion is with their defensive line because that that's going to be a huge mismatch and i know we're going to talk about you know matchups and things like that but you're it's going to be a little bit like a broken record uh for me when i talk about a mismatch with notre dame defensive line versus the other team's offensive line but the it's a big chasm here and Mm -hmm. when you can dominate the offensive line you can mess up a lot of what an offense wants to do right now you can't overdo it you can't like like brian was saying you can't be overly aggressive but you can 
when when a guard is pulling, for example, if you're quick enough to get in there and 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 disrupt that, right, then you can make things happen. Right. You know what it's, I mean? It's, it's you reading your key, and exactly. once you see that guy lap, you fly downhill and meet him. Right. Meet him at the point of attack it's and clog exactly. up that run lane. And, right? and that's where I think force that bounce. And that right. and that's where I think Notre Dame can be very very successful defensively against uh, a, a team like Toledo. And and again. If you're if you're not reading your keys correctly and you're just trying to solo and you're trying to do your own thing, that's when you can get in trouble. Right. Um, and that could happen. Uh, but overall, I just feel like that's the biggest mismatch uh, in this particular matchup. My concern from a Toledo standpoint is they did have. I thought they had a good quarterback in Eli Peters. I, I thought he's a good player. He got banged up a little bit last year. Um, had some talent. You know, just could never really stay healthy. To be honest with you, mm-hmm. um, and he is not. He's not back. So, but they had a quarterback that, that will be back named Carter Bradley. He's a rising right. junior. H- had some nice moments last year. He started the final two games of the year when Bradley got hurt. Um, threw for 432 yards and three touchdowns against Northern Illinois. Threw for 265 yards and three touchdowns against Central Michigan. The problem is he threw five picks in those two starts as well. Right, exactly. But those struggles in, 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 came from experience, and that experience is going to help him uh, coming to this season. But the, the, where they lack, to me, the, the issue for them in a matchup against Notre Dame specifically is I don't see the perimeter weapons that are are going to really give Notre Dame problems. Yeah, and, absolutely. And, yeah, they, you know. uh, yeah. They've got they've got a kid coming in, uh, Matt Landers from Georgia, who, mm-hmm. who gives big, them tall kind kid, of, yeah, kind of a legitimate threat outside, mm-hmm. right? A big tall kid. You oh, can yeah. you know throw those back shoulders and things like that. he could be a matchup issue height um, size wise. Yeah, first, based on size, etc. Um, but they're going to have to fit some tight windows, you know, to get him the ball against this Notre Dame secondary, in my opinion. But he's a guy that can, obviously, he he was a Georgia and and he played and mm-hmm. he had he scored, um, and so he he's a guy that that brings, you know, potentially that veteran leadership, you know, from a transfer situation. So he's a guy that I I don't want to use the word he scares me, but he's a guy he's a yeah. legitimate wide receiver. Um, for that level, he for, is. Right, exactly. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason exactly. he didn't play much yeah. in Georgia and he transferred to the MAC, but he's a good player. Right. And the two kids that they did have last year, I mean, again, numbers-wise, they put up good numbers. Isaiah Winstead had 25 mm-hmm. catches in six games, averaged 17.2 yards per catch. Bryce Mitchell was their number two leading receiver from a yard standpoint. He had 13 catches for 306 yards. You know, so the, and, and and Mitchell's an interesting guy, too, because he's he's got some size, size as well. The number three receiver, Denzel McKinney-Lewis last year, Again, all these guys are back. Had 20 catches for 289 yards. That's 14 and a half yards per catch. So you've got three guys that all average minimum 14 and a half yards per catch. One guy's over 20. So that comes from the offense we talk about. A lot of RPOs, a lot of shots down the field. Uh, they they will get guys in space. They'll run crossers and try to get them in space to let them run. But it comes from a, like a lot of shots down the field. That's going to be where a lot of this comes from. So, But they're just not the kind of receivers that should beat Notre Dame if they're beating the Notre Dame secondary. That's going to be a problem. Having said sure, that, sure. they are good enough, however, and they threaten you schematically in a way that, again, it's a good test for Notre Dame. It, it is discipline-wise, technique-wise. Can you, you know, read your keys and, and and get depth and all those type of things? And I think size-wise too is where I, you, you talked about Landers being six five. Uh, Denzel McKinley Lewis is, is 5'11. The other receivers they have are 6'3 and 6'3. Mitchell and Winstead are both 6'3. So you have three receivers that are going to be part of your rotation that are going to be at least at least 6'3. Right. Yep. So they're, they're going to give you some size. And, and what that why that matters is because when you have size, it puts more emphasis on your technique. 
your technique has to be sound. You have to be in phase with the receiver to be able to play the ball. Speed-wise, again, I don't see them being guys that should be running by the Notre Dame corners. If they do, that's going to be a problem. That's right. going to be a bad Agreed. sign for moving forward. But just again, it's it's this is a good Toledo team. I like this team. You know, again, you have five stars coming back on the offensive line. Brian Kobach is going to be over three thousand yards for his career, like early in the year. Uh, hopefully, it's not against Notre Dame because he needs three hundred yards in the first two games. So yeah. unless he just blows up against Norfolk State, which is possible, which is possible, yeah, absolutely yeah. possible. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I don't see it coming against Notre Dame, or I hope it doesn't come against Notre Dame. But uh, yeah. this is going to be a good test for the Notre Dame defense, it, and really the the, the second that both of these games we're going to talk about are going to be really good tests, not tests to where Notre Dame should lose, right? Not tests where they're going to get beat up, yeah. you know, because this team is so physical or good but just good tests where you better be on your game or they're going to make some big plays and make the game a little bit more competitive than it should be yeah and so that's but that's who i mean that when you talk about a mac team that's where it is right it's the only way that they're going to be able to hang with you and beat you is if is if they are, can score that's going to be the big key and right. before before we move on vince i just want to thank mike huff real quick mike appreciate you very very much for the Thanks, super mike. chat uh, very, very much, and 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 Mike had said earlier in the show, Vince, that um, you know he, you know, Toledo's not Toledo's not going to be a pushover, and and he's correct. There, this is a game that Rams should win. Sure, but they're should a win solid, convincingly. Solid MAC team. Yes, solid you're, you're going to learn a lot about this yeah. your, yourself in this game. You yes. know, and and so that's where they're at. But defensively, that's where it's going to get interesting, Vince. That's the matchup where I think they're coached well. They're a four-two-five team. Vince Karras is a very good football coach. They made a huge improvement from where they were the year, two years before where they were giving up over 30 points a game, dropping down to 24 points a game. And, and as you said, well, you only played MAC teams. It kind of balances it, but there's no, you know, like they play their non-conference, you know, Colorado State, they play UMass. Um, you know, they'll play some teams like that that they should score some points on. You didn't have that last year, but you also didn't have the, the Miami, Florida that hung 50-something on them a couple years ago either. So it kind of balances it out, but you know, giving up 24 points a game playing in the Mac is pretty good. You know, that, that's, that's good football. So um, they definitely got better last year. They were third in the Mac in points per game. So it, big jump from where yeah. they were yeah. the year before when they ranked 10th in the league in scoring and then uh, up eighth in 2018. Even though last year they won 11 games, they were only sixth in the Mac in, in scoring sure. defense. Uh, the highest they've been prior to last year when they were third was fourth, and that was in 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 Jason Candle's first year. So that's a that's a good st- first step for Coach Karras. Again, with no offseason, with right. no normal to in- install, uh, you know, weird rules about you know how many kids can be in a room at a time and masks and all this other kind of stuff. Uh, you still have that kind of jump shows that he's a good football coach. And, well, and and he's got all those guys returning. I think right. that that's that's a big key here because when you're when you're starting off and you're new as a defensive coordinator, et cetera. First of all, he started off in a year that was like you said, just crazy. Not I mean, the year just, you want to be a first year coach, exactly. And and it's like we talked about with Mike Norvell down in down in Florida State. It's it's not a great year to to start something right. And when you're a coordinator, you're starting something on your side of the ball, I and mean, you're the head coach of that side of the ball, right? And so coming in during a COVID year is very, very difficult. And so the best, the absolute best thing, it, we saw that jump from 19 to 20. Well, you got all those guys back. So you're going to assume there's going to be a bit of a jump this year if things go 
you know, according to hit to their plans. Right. I mean, and so you're working with the same set of guys. Now, it'd be one thing if, for example, what Louisville from a few years ago when they had all those defensive guys returning, it was like, well, they weren't very good. So mm-hmm. do you really want them back? Right. Right. But this group made that big, significant jump from 19 to 20. Well, now they're back for 21. So, right. so you see what I'm saying? Am I mm-hmm. am I articulating this correctly? Yeah. No. I mean, this is the yeah. For, for, again, looking at them, not we're we're talking right now not about the matchup against Notre Dame specifically. Correct. We're, we're just talking, talking about, about Toledo as a defense heading Correct. into the whole season. Uh, I think that they're going to have a chance to become one of the better defenses in the MAC this year. I mean, they've got good players for that level, some good players for that level. And the things that are going to hurt them against Notre Dame, which we'll get into, sh- should not hurt them as much playing against the rest of the teams in the right, league. Right. That experience is important. They were very fundamentally sound. They're not a super aggressive defense. It's and they had 12 sacks last year in 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 uh, uh, in six games. They had 37 tackles for loss. I mean, that's the 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 disruptiveness from a standpoint of of tackles for loss was pretty good. But if you look at it, four of their top five guys were defensive linemen. They had a guy, uh, Deshaun Johnson, who's going to be back this year, defensive lineman, who had eight tackles for loss in six games. That's pretty good. But what I like about it is they are they're not doing it from just a bunch of exotic, let's bring pressure from everywhere kind of standpoint. It's let's attack with our front and let's fit behind it. And and and, and it's it's about being sound and and a, a sound in an aggressive standpoint. And, and that's good coaching, you know, and I like what they did last year. I mean, as I'm watching film, I'm like, yeah, this is a really well-coached football team. They, they don't have great talent. Uh, it's going to be better this year because a lot of guys are more experienced. It, not great talent from a standpoint of compa- competing against Notre Dame, but one of the more talented teams in the MAC for sure, uh, but really well-coached, Vince. That's the well, thing yeah. that I took away from this football team is this is a really sound, well-coached football team. Well, and early on in the season, this is game two for Notre Dame, right? And 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 if we're if I'm previewing tomorrow, which I don't think is a huge uh, thing to give away, the offensive line is going to be one of our mm-hmm. question marks, right? And so this is a group that can test this offensive line to a degree from a from a yeah. schematic standpoint. From a there, there you go because we've talked about it in the past, right? We've talked about the fact that. When uh, Harry Heastan was the offensive line coach at Notre Dame, nothing they saw in a game surprised them. They were prepared for anything that an opposing team could bring them. But that hasn't necessarily been the case the last few years. Yeah. Okay, and so that's that's what I'm getting at. And so for two of the last three years, yeah. And so you've got a bunch of new guys, right? And now we've we've established the fact that there starts with these guys, but they're starting at different positions potentially. Yeah. You know, there's there's going to be some time that they're going to have to gel, and so. If if Toledo comes out and, and, you know, and I'm not saying bring all kinds of exotic stuff, but I'm saying bring some stuff towards this offensive line. Yeah. That's an area where they could be somewhat yeah. successful. You're going to have to. They've got yeah. they've got a couple of dudes on that on that defensive line that can play ball. I mean, They're the Hines kid, the Johnson yeah. kid, they, they together they combined for over 200 tackles, uh, almost 40 tackles for loss and, mm-hmm. and five sacks like, yeah. That that's doing in, some work in, again in six games. Just Correct. so people remember, that's right. The five sacks. That's six yeah, games. That's, that's not what, exactly. Right. So they can cause some trouble, is what I'm saying. It, now, right. it, for a full game, maybe not, but they can cause this offensive line some trouble in game two of the season. We saw that against Ball State a couple years ago, yes. back in 18. Yes, because Ball State. See, here's the thing. 
everything we said about Toledo and what they do in the MAC, they can't be that way against Notre Dame. Right. They can't because the problem is you, you talk about good their offense defensive line is. Here's the problem though. Their two ends are 235 and 250. Right. Their defensive tackles are 280 and 255. That's it. Right. Uh, that that if they just try to play just shoot gaps and be a they're going to get blown off the ball. They're going to have to do twists and stunts and and slants and things like that, movement games. And that's exactly what Ball State did to Notre Dame two years ago. And the offensive line got embarrassed in that yes, game. Yes, they did. And just giving up pressures. I mean, they were they were going to free runs on it. Ran Brandon Wimbush that game because they were woefully unprepared for those line games. And I remember talking to a couple sources after that game, and they were like, "Yeah, they were doing stuff we'd never seen before." And and the thing that surprised <laughs> me okay. was, yeah, I'd seen that before. I right. watched their film. Right. The other thing was you have to be smart enough as an offensive line coach to know that this team is not just going to come play you straight up and play you the same way they play all the other MAC teams, right? You have to assume their coaches are not idiots. 100%. And and that's been an issue. Now, last year with Chris Watt and Jeff Quinn working together, that wasn't an issue. Notre Dame was far more prepared. This is where we're going to find out, you know, the first few weeks we're going to find out. Because, yep. uh, you know, Florida State's not a real exotic team, but they have some talent up front. Mm-hmm. Purdue is, you know, we're, we'll have to see what they do because they have a first-year defensive coordinator. We'll get into him here in a little bit. But Toledo's going to be athletic for, for up front, and they're going to throw a lot of stuff at them. So mm-hmm. if Notre Dame can pick up those line games and just blow Purdue off, Toledo off the ball, that's going to be a great sign because you are way more talented than Toledo. But can you right. be – can you be uh, Assignment correct. Can you can you can you show? You're going to have to be, be cohesive. The communication is going to have to be there to eliminate there a lot of the big the big. You know, again, you're gonna you're gonna run for yards on them. You're gonna beat them. You're gonna score 35 to 45, 50 points on them, right? I mean, that's going to happen. But you can also do that and still not look great up front. Yeah, man. and, and be mean, concerning. It's kind of like yeah. you remember when when Notre Dame played uh, Nevada was it 2008 or 2009, and Notre Dame shut them out. And I remember after that game, I was telling people like, "This is not good performance by the defense." And they're like, "You're such a hater." They they shut them out. And I'm like, "Yeah, but they had ten drops that game. You remember that Nevada dropped like ten passes, like ten of Colin Kaepernick's passes, and there were guys getting open, and he just he wasn't finding them, or they yeah. were dropping balls." And it was like, "A good team is going to score." And then like a week later or two weeks later, Tate Forcier, you know, Forcier looks like a Heisman Trophy winner against that defense. <laughs> just because you win and score points doesn't mean someone right. who, you know, another team's not going to look at what you do and say, hey, there's some stuff we can expose there. It's kind of like right. when Brian Van Gorder's first year in 2014, Notre Dame's defense played great early in the year. Shut out Michigan, you know, 30, 37 nothing. That was, that should have counted, by the way. That should not have been waved off. That should not have been a penalty on Max Redfield. So beat Michigan 37 nothing. And, uh, held Stanford to 14 points, but the whole time you and I were talking that year and like, there's some stuff going on there that I, that I'm, I'm curious how some of these other teams are going to, once they get film on them. And then of course, as they finally got film on them, they absolutely shredded that Notre Dame defense in the second half of the year. I mean, I remember that year, like was it Northwestern hadn't scored 30 points in a game all year. We'll go find that their offense that year. This is what, yeah, they 24, 15, 24, 29, 20, 17, 17, 7, 9. That's what they had done coming into the Notre Dame game. And they scored 43 against Notre Dame. Now, in, in overtime, but like Notre Dame was up by 11 in the fourth quarter and, and right. let them go. I mean, that's just kind of you, – you saw it. You could see the, the the problems. You could see the flaws in that in that team. They hadn't had more than 394 yards all year on offense that year. And that was against Northern Illinois. They went for 547 against Notre Dame, right? I mean, so 
you could see some of those those problems. And so we could see some of those things again in the offensive line. If we don't see those things and they play sound, fun, you know, they're picking up the stunts and they're getting movement, all that, that's going to be a great sign for Notre yes, Dame. Yes, absolutely. So, so we're talking about like, yes, they're going to – the end result may be – is going to be a win. It's going to probably be a convincing win. But those are the things you want to look for. Do they let run? Do they do they allow too many run throughs? Um, do do they allow too much pressure on Jack Cohn? Do are they are they picking up the twists and stunts? Are they getting movement? Are they coming off the ball with with physicality and, and getting a push? Are they if reestablishing we, the line of scrimmage the right. way they want to establish right. the line of scrimmage? As opposed yeah. to just catching, right? Are, are, if you're seeing those things against yeah. Toledo, that's going to be a good sign for moving forward, right? right. And and so it's looking at the the level of execution as opposed to the end result. Yes. And and that's why I've always said as a coach, you have to be more process driven than results driven. You know, because you can get a win, but there's going to be things you're like, boy, if we play like this against Cincinnati, Wisconsin, whoever mm-hmm. else, we're going to be in trouble. And so, yes, we got a win, but but we need to look at how what the, what the process was like. What was our work like going into that week? You know, where you know, hey, we, we gave up a lot of run throughs on on, you know, tackle and twist. Right. So, OK, what do we do in practice to prepare for that? And then how do we make corrections to, to make those adjustments and pick those things up Monday to Friday next week against Purdue? And and those are the things that we're – so we're going to learn a lot about this Notre Dame offense. Yes, we in are. In my opinion, in the, in the especially the offensive line, really, yes. in this in this secondary and, matchup. And to be honest with you, that's where my focus is going to be in, in uh, the first home game of the season for Notre Dame. I'm going to be focused on the offensive line and, and what is going to be happening there. Uh, because, look, it, Notre Dame can big play – uh Toledo all day long like you said they could put up points I'm not necessarily worried about that but it's it's the little things and and watching this offensive line against this defensive line against the you know the twists and the stunts like you said that's where my focus is going to be and I I would suggest if you can watching it on TV you know everybody out there that's where your focus should be and you'll you'll be able to see when the game is over when you know we're we're t- telling you what we saw and you know our first reaction to it, uh, you'll understand where we're coming from. Whether it's a, a praising situation or whether it's a ooh, man uh, worried about next week kind of a situation, right? right? right. So focus on that. Uh, you know, if there's if you're one of those fans that wants to try to focus on the little things, I would focus on the line in this game for sure. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, you know, we'll have an idea. We'll be looking at scheme. Did they run RPOs and all that? But yes. but as far as, as Notre Dame's overall success, it's going to be determined by how well the offensive line plays. Yep. Yep. And and that's going to be that's going to be the key for me when when we talk about Toledo. But at the end of the day, Vince, this is, you know, as we kind of get into prediction time, this hmm. should be a game that's a convincing win for Notre Dame. Right. I would not be surprised if Toledo, because again, this is going to be on a short week. Because Notre that's Dame right, plays on a Sunday, Sunday to Saturday. Right. Yeah, that's it's right. It's going to be a short week. Right. So that's going to kind of push the preparation, the rest time back a little bit. So I could see Notre Dame maybe not being super, super crisp, or crisp early. But by the time we get into the second quarter and then the second half, it's a game where Notre Dame's talent and size and experience should start uh, should start winning the day. And but conditioning, I, I could, for that matter. Yeah, yeah. I, could, I could see Notre Dame coming out and maybe pressing a little bit early because of the the you know the excitement from the home crowd and all those type of things. So I could see that, but but I'm okay. I can live with that. I'm okay with that. It just as right. long as they okay, we we we're we're good now. Let's let's <laughs> let's roll and then let's cruise yeah. because this needs to be one of those games that you're able to get, you know, by the time you get to the fourth quarter, you need to get 
Tyler Buckner and Drew Pine some work. You need to get make sure that Lorenzo Styles and Deion Colsey are getting some work. You know, get Absolutely. some of those young linemen like Chris Stoffick and Quinn Carroll and Tosh Baker. This needs to be a game where they get at least a full quarter under their belt, if not more. And and so you you the the, the sooner you figure it out, the sooner you you get rolling, the the better. Now, of course, if they come out and just blast them, that's great. That, oh, yeah. that would be the ideal situation. But great. I just want to make sure that, that we understand game two, very experienced football team, first really well-coached football team, first game at home. Yeah. The, 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 they could come out and not be super, super sharp. And Toledo's going to come out like – I mean, they're going to come out fired up. And, again, the fa- th- this is a well-coached football team. So they're going to have some stuff that they're going to have to figure out early on both sides of the ball. And, you know, it could make it – a somewhat competitive game for a quarter, but they have to they have yeah. to pull away after that. Uh, so do we do we? I don't necessarily have a score prediction for this no, game. I, no. It's more for me. It feels it feels like a four touchdown game. Yeah, to me. just kind of what my just, what my concern with these things are, Vince, because we haven't even gotten into fall camp yet. Right, it's exactly. just more of a just a yeah. looking at how the game this how this game should be played out based on what we know of these these right. football teams so far. Fair enough. So I, I th- th- that's why I say like this is a game where I, I could see it being a little closer early, but a game that Notre Dame needs to to, mm-hmm. to to really put on, you know, kind of bury him a little bit in the second quarter, come out in the third quarter, just put the game away and say, hey, look, midway through the third quarter, let's start working in some guys. Yes, maybe you don't make mass substitutions right away, but you know, maybe maybe you get Tosh Baker in for a series at right tackle with the first team offensive line. You know, maybe you get. You know, Rocco Spindler and Tosh Baker. I mean, if they came out on on a middle third quarter and they still had a starting quarterback in the game, or or maybe if they took out Jack Cohn but put in Drew Pine, but you know kept Jarrett Patterson, kept uh, Zeke Carell, kept Tosh, you know Blake Fisher, but then pulled Lug and Madden just to get those two young guys some work on the right side, and then put in Drew Pine or Tyler Buckner quarterback. Uh, okay, cool. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I don't want math. I don't want all, the entire second team coming in all at once. Like I specifically at the quarterback position. Usually because it's it. late I in mean, the game. That's the I, problem. It's when they right. make the mass substitution. It's like right. they're just going to do it and just hand the ball right. off. I, I, I want to see. I want Notre Dame to take advantage of, you know, getting either Drew Pine or, or, or Tyler Buckner, whoever number two is. Right. I want them to get time with the first team. And I, and I want it to be, you know, a legitimate drive now where they're just handing off. You know what I mean? They have to take advantage of those opportunities. And mm-hmm. I think this could be one of them. You know, uh, I mean, don't you don't go through your week of practice like they did for Ball State, no. you know, assuming that that's going to be the case. But it, it still should be the case if they practice so, the way they're supposed to practice. So just so people who may not know that story, Vince, <laughs> thank you. You want to go ahead and share that one? Well, it, it it from what we were told by uh, a lot of different sources, like they were practicing the backups more than they were the starters throughout the week, assuming that they were going to get a lot of time because it was going to be a blowout, etc. And then the starters struggled, and yeah. those second guys really didn't get in the played. game. And they won twenty four to sixteen. <laughs> yeah, they never got in. So you don't practice. You cannot practice and anticipate that kind of a game i mean there's ways to do it and they didn't do it right Is you can do it but it? yeah yeah so like normally yeah. you know you'll go like 70 30 or 60 40 ones and twos what you can do is you'll know, bring some some kids up get them work with the twos that you normally wouldn't get them but they were doing that like putting those guys in with the ones yeah or the first team offense like was the two and then the second team offense was the threes right and it just was a i mean i remember being told that before the game yeah. Like this was the weirdest week of practice. Right. And if, so of course, then the offense, you know, and again, it was so early in the year. It was like, your team is not ready yet to you're, no. you're replacing Quentin Nelson and Mike McGlinchey. And, you know, 
all these starters and 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 you think by game two you're gonna have this figured out it was not it was not a smart move it was not good and and i don't and i don't think they learned brian kelly I, I would imagine they have yes yeah and they've been pretty good since then i would imagine yeah, they agree I and agree. if you look at what they did to new mexico and bowling green the next year fair enough. Fair i enough. got a feeling that they learned that lesson because they yeah. blasted those two and teams. that's and that's what should happen here right. by the time the final gun sounds however what? Toledo does not have Brian Van Gorder running their defense like Bowling Green did. <laughs> yeah, that's, I couldn't help it. I know you couldn't. It's great. I that, that's it. why I love you. That's fantastic. All so right. Toledo, Notre Dame, September 11th. That's going to be another oh, part of right. it. It's going to be a really interesting day. Right. Forgot um, about that. It just adds to that opening day. It's not only that, Vince, but it's going to be the 20-year anniversary mm-hmm. of September 11th, and which was my first year coaching. A, a day that I certainly will never forget, and I know that as a nation we've largely forgotten about it. But I, 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 I haven't. I haven't. I and haven't. so that's going to be another interesting aspect to that day. Is just it won't affect the game at all for the players. I mean, most of these kids weren't a lot. A lot of these kids weren't alive, and that's a lot true. of them were babies when it happened. Right. Um, you know, like Kane Madden was was who's like the oldest player in Notre Dame's football team. He was what four. Right. You know, when it, I mean, so, but so it's not going to impact the game, but just for me as a, a grown up who experienced it as an adult, mm-hmm. that's going to add a little bit to, the, to that day. You know, just the, the yeah. cause, again, 20 year anniversary. And so, um, I can't believe that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a uh, opening day for Notre Dame and, and Toledo. And it's, it's, it's going to be a, it's going to be a good test for Notre Dame. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. 
No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.